0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Always good to see familiar faces. Um, emotional. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get too much into that. But just, it was good to see some people. Obviously, disappointing with the way things finished. Would love to have the bragging rights against those guys, but. Uh, we didn't finish, um, mostly because we didn't start
1: fast.
0: Baker Mayfield had his opportunity to get revenge right out of the gates against the Cleveland Browns. I believed that he would. I thought this Panthers team with a healthy Christian McCaffrey and a motivated Baker Mayfield would get it done. And it got very interesting. It got exciting. The Panthers battled back, but it was a 58-yard field goal from rookie yeah. Cade York that mm-hmm. won the game for the Cleveland Browns over the Carolina Panthers making Miles happy for the remainder of Sunday and into Monday do you still do that thing like that fan thing where if your team loses you're like down for 2 days afterward and if you're in this business you don't ha- you don't have the luxury of just like being pissed off and ignoring everything for 2 days like I used to do
1: can we not say that in London? Isn't that one of the words we can't say? The one that you just said. I
0: think we. I don't know. We'll find okay. out soon enough. If the well, screen goes yeah. black, I guess so. To answer this your K. question, York. rookie, yeah. K. <laughs> York, fifty-eight yards, winner.
1: <laughs> to, to answer your question, no, I, I don't. I don't do that anymore. But uh, there are certain members of my family, like my mother, she definitely does. The Browns losing that early window, she's like, I, mean, I don't want to watch football the rest of the day. I don't watch Sunday night football when the Browns lost. So yeah, your that, mom hasn't funny. your mom
0: hasn't watched your mom hasn't watched a lot of football over the years. Then if that's <laughs> the case, uh,
1: she had oh, yeah. to be
0: thrilled though. Mom had to be oh, thrilled that, that Baker Mayfield took one on the chin, especially the way that Miles Garrett. There was one moment where Miles Garrett legally hit him from behind so hard, I thought he wasn't getting up.
1: Well, look, I think that the Browns came in there with something to prove, particularly the defense. And that defense played really, really well for most of the game. And if that 75-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson doesn't happen, I don't know that we have that sort of frenetic finish that they did end up having. Um, But, like, you know, Miles Garrett had a period where he had back-to-back sacks on Baker Mayfield in the third quarter. And at that point, as I'm watching the game and I'm covering it for the website, I'm thinking, all right, well, Miles Garrett's about to take over. This thing looks like it's almost a wrap, right? Like the the Panthers' offense had no juice; and they didn't look like they were doing anything. Christian McCaffrey wasn't getting many touches. And then all of a sudden, like Baker Mayfield is able to get them down the field. He runs the thing and he fires the ball at the wall and lets out just a year of frustration out on the football. And I hope that didn't like ricochet and hit somebody and hurt them. And the next time they get the football, like they, they are able to get down the field in that one play. And when you do that, when there's six minutes left, it really does change the complexion of the game. And having seen as many Browns openers as I have, I fully expected them to lose that game. Once those things started happening, but, you know, credit to Jacoby Brissett and he got a little help from Brian Burns and the officials when they called that roughing the passer on uh, the first play of the final drive, but they still were able to get it done, right? The operations worked out. They were able to get that spike off. Maybe it should have been intentional grounding. I don't know. Matt Rule seems to think so. But when you have a rookie and you draft this kicker in the fourth round, it's like, well, why in the world are you doing that? That's why you do it. Because elite kickers can really make a difference in games. And like that thing was good from 58. It might have been good from like 65, if not further back. I mean, he, he really kicked the crap out of that ball.
0: The intentional grounding that you mentioned, this was one of those where, because especially as the afternoon rolls on and I'm talking to different people and we're getting ready for football night in America and watching the four o'clock games, there's just a lot of activity and certain things I don't have time to do. I was processing the Matt Rule complaint, looking at the rules, speaking to people who know how the rules are interpreted, enforced, and applied, and I had the impression there was like this this actual, like, oh, there really is something here. Let's go watch the play. Usually the play is the starting point. This time I gathered all the information all of the perspectives, all of the arguments. And then I went and looked at the play. And it's like, what the hell's wrong with Matt Rule? Well, I know <laughs> what's wrong with him. I mean, he's, he's, he's on the hot seat, and when you're on the hot seat, yeah. uh, you, you, tend to, you tend to complain more about things you shouldn't complain about. What happened was Jacoby Brissett took kind of an awkward-looking step back as he was spiking the ball. That's all he did. That does not activate the intentional grounding rule. It becomes intentional grounding if you do like a fake spike, like the old Dan Marino play from 94, I think it was, against the Jets. You do the fake Mm -hmm. spike, and then you go back, and then you throw it straight down. That's intentional grounding. You know it when you see it. This was... Still an immediate move to spike the ball. It was just an awkward and unconventional step taken backward by Jacoby percent as he was in that same motion. And we have seen guys get the ball under center and still take a step or two back before they spike it. So they don't yes. spike it into the rear end of the center. So yes. it was, it really was much ado about nothing, but I think it's a little glimpse into the mindset of Matt rule who knows his ass is on the line in 2022 miles.
1: Well, that certainly could be the case. I mean, the the tough thing about the witching hour, you know, if we go a little inside baseball for someone like me or, you know, Shreen or Josh or MDS as we do our thing on PFT, like We're watching two games at once. Sometimes a third game is starting to happen. I'm at Raiders Chargers yesterday. So there's also like stuff happening in front of me as the pregame gets going. They're like singing the national anthem. And this thing is still just finishing up. So it's like, wow, all these different things are happening at once. And so like that. It's interesting to me because it's like, oh, I'm seeing this and I don't necessarily think that there's a there there. But then when Matt Rule starts talking about it after the game, I'm like, whoa, what what did I miss? And I go back and I looked at it like you did it. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that there really was something there. So it's just one of those interesting things that I think you're right. It, it, it more says something about what the mindset of Matt Rule is in 2022 as he is ostensibly coaching for his job than it probably does about what actually went on on the field.
0: And I can't imagine the league is happy about a guy kicking up a controversy that really isn't a thing. And I just don't think that was a thing. Uh, it was a thing in Nashville for the second straight year. The Titans lose at home to start the season. They were outclassed and embarrassed 38-13 to last year by the Cardinals. The Cliff can't finish Cardinals. Yeah, boy, they've come a long way from 21-22 to 22 <laughs> for the Cardinals. Same outcome for the Titans. And this is where I've got to give Brian Dayball and the Giants credit I thought the Giants had no chance. I thought they just don't have the talent. And when they're down 13, they have a chance to go for the win. And this is where, I, I said this last night during our digital tapings uh, with Maria Taylor, Coach Garrett, and Coach Dungy, I don't need the analytics mafia on my back so early in the season. This is not an anti-analytics this is a pro-understand-the-circumstances take. Yeah. You're the Giants. You're supposed to lose. The Titans let you hang around. You're in their building. You don't want to mess around with overtime and give them a mulligan. Go take it. Go yeah. get it. And credit to Brian Dayball for doing it.
1: Absolutely. I love it because, look, they're, they're, you're playing with free money, right? If you're the Giants and you get in a situation like this, I mean, look at the way Saquon's moving, man. I, I give Saquon Barkley a lot of credit too for the game he had. He was terrific in this ball game. And you know what? Titans, you still have a chance. Can't pull it off, man. And like that's the kind of thing where you put pressure on the other team. Like, that works out well. I I love the aggression from Brian Dayball, and I love the attitude that we saw there. And, look, that's one of those things where you're trying to establish a culture in your first season. You get off to a good start like that. It's a great thing. I I, I really give Brian Dayball a lot of credit.
0: Here's why. When you do that, when you win those games, you get the guys who have been hearing all the things the coach says Mm -hmm. and all the ideas the coach has. They buy in. The sooner yes. you win games, the sooner yes. they buy in. Yes. A new coach 100%. in New Orleans, but not a first-time coach in Dennis Allen, taking over for Sean Payton. This one was not going well for the Saints. They were down 26-10 to 10 in miles before yesterday in the storied at times, but at other times not so storied history of the Saints. They had never come back and won a game when they trailed by 16 in the fourth quarter. The closer they came was 15 in 2017. They came back and won. This time down 16, and they pulled it off. And I asked Jameis Winston after the game what happened. And, you know, this is another one of those football is at times made to seem more complicated to the average fan than it really is. Jameis said, we spent all this time game planning and all this time trying to think about how they're going to defend our players and how we're ever going to get anything done at a certain point you just throw it out and let your playmakers go make plays it was an unintended product placement by james and i appreciate it very much but you just (laughs) throw it to michael thomas right when in doubt throw it to michael thomas and then they start shading coverage to michael thomas so you throw it to jarvis landry 40 yards to get yourself and he broke down the play They, they, they 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 clouded as he used the term over toward michael thomas covering him jarvis landry's open 40-yard throw, sets up the game-winning field goal, and that's what you do. If you've got the players, there's a point where mm-hmm. you just have to say, screw the game plan, let's just yeah. go out there and let our guys do their thing, and that's what they did.
1: Yeah, you know, it's bleep it, let's go, let, let's just do it, let's just go. You know, And this is one of those things where Jameis Winston was working out with those guys Throughout the course of the offseason, he's been in the mindset of I am the leader of this team and I am going to make sure that we do everything we possibly can to set ourselves up in position to win. And I think those kinds of things, when you do them in the offseason, especially if you're early in the season, like week one, that's where they kind of show up. So, like, look, Jameis Winston was really good in that later, in those later stages of that game, and hell, that that could set them up pretty well going forward.
0: Um, it, it and what a difference! You, you go from thinking that this Saints experiment post payton is not going to work. Jameis had fifty six passing yards. You go from the there. first three quarters combined. Well, I, I, well, I, I look, we we all want to see. Our crazy ass theories come to fruition. But he went off in the fourth quarter. Perfect yeah, passer did. rating, 13 for 16, 212 yards, two touchdowns, both to Michael Thomas, who is back. I'm very happy for Michael Thomas. After everything he's been through the last two years, he's back. This team needs to be taken seriously. Oh, and they get the Buccaneers week two, the team that they are 4 0 against with Tom Brady as the quarterback in the regular season. Not that we won't mention the postseason. Mm-hmm. Just the regular season. Uh, How about the Commanders and the Jaguars? Yeah. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. And there was a point yesterday. I tweeted this. Matt Ryan looks like Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz looks like Matt Ryan. Then Carson Wentz started to look like Carson Wentz again, but then he he didn't. And he pulled off the victory. Four touchdown passes. The Commanders come from behind to beat the Jaguars. It was Carson Wentz's first four-touchdown game since the day he tore the ACL in his knee. In L.A., in the Coliseum against the Rams. Miles, you were probably at that game in 2017 as an employee was. of the Rams. And now Wentz yep. back, gets the win. Crazy day. Uh, and uh, credit credit the Ron Rivera and company for hanging in there because once you blow that lead, it's easy to just kind of give up and say same old commanders, same old stuff, new, new name, same yeah. old crap but they, they, they hung in there and pulled it off.
1: Well, they did, and look, I, I think that's an important, important, important game for Carson Wentz based on the way things ended for him, you know, with the Colts, where Jim Ursay is just like, basically, get him the hell out of here. you know. Under no circumstances is this guy coming back as our quarterback, you know, and he lost to the Jaguars, right? And then you also have on the other sideline, Doug Peterson, right, who was his coach, with Philadelphia for all those years. And, and I think all of that coming together and Carson Wentz being able to make the plays late, doing the clutch things that we really have not seen him do for a long time. I, I, that is something that I think you can definitely be encouraged by if you are a Washington Commanders fan.
0: Um. Absolutely, and uh, the season off to a great start. We're gonna take a break before we do. Though I do want to point out a couple of things. My email box has been flooded by the folks Uh-oh. in the UK who are delighted, more than delighted by the fact that we are oh. live on Sky Sports NFL. I have been told that "pissed" is okay. That we're okay. Not, not that we're gonna. Not that we're gonna say it over and over again, like when when Bart Simpson was told that it's okay to say bastard so he went bastard 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 we're not going to do that with pissed <laughs> but at least we know we can say it um and also also at least one of our loyal viewers when he got to the break he tried to fast forward through the commercial because he's used to doing that every time he watches the show you can't fast forward anymore you gotta watch the commercials pal sorry that's one of the realities of us being live all right we're gonna hand out some superlatives. When this Monday edition of PFT Live continues, right after this.
1: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines how has pairing with brady impacted your career i mean i I think it kind of worked both ways Hmm. for for me and him i mean for everybody you know he he's playing with some real studs. Mm. You know you got Mike, you got Chris, you got Julio. You know in his past he never he never had guys like that. Except probably one was Randy and a few others. But this team is stacked. You know the sky's the limit for this team. We could do great things with that man back there and with all the weapons we have. Man, the sky's the limit for this offense. That was Leonard Fournette
0: last night with Jack Collinsworth and Rodney Harrison. If you missed Sunday Night Football Final last night, you're in luck. You can find the show on demand on Peacock until 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. The show also included, sources tell me, a segment with me and our new fantasy expert, Matthew Berry. I should know. I was actually, you know, there doing it for the segment that was put in Sunday Night Football Final. All right, superlative time, week one miles maiden voyage or verage with the that may be a word somewhere with the superlatives we we very carefully planned this out we had constant communication (laughs) what do you got
1: uh yeah all that was very easy for you to say let me go with this mike (laughs) how about mcdaniels needs to drive his car right Okay, because yesterday, as I sort of alluded to earlier in the show, I was at Raiders Chargers here in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. Kind of cool. Got to see two games, one stadium, in one weekend. Kind of neat. Never done that before. But yesterday, I was disappointed in Derek Carr for a couple reasons. I mean, a he said this at the end of the game. You know, he was too aggressive. Threw three picks, and each one of them I would say was his fault. But I don't. Th- I think his worst throw of the day was early on when they were going down the field, they were in scoring position, it was third and goal, and he's got Darren Waller on a crossing route. And all he's got to do is just lay the ball out there in front of him because Derwin James is behind him. It's man coverage. And what does he do? He throws the ball behind him. And Darren Waller has to adjust, and he can't make that catch because the ball is too far behind him. That ball placement's got to be right. And when you're in the red zone, that's got to be a place where you score, especially when the play call is right. The play call works. You want to plan for your big tight end that you just paid for him down in the red zone? You've got one. You just have to execute. And so that McDaniels has got to make sure that Derek Carr's ball placement is better coming up in these next few games because like they they've got a lot of talent there. All right, we were talking about earlier at right? Devontae Adams had a great game. But if you don't execute in the red zone, that that's gonna kill you, especially against a division rival.
0: When you said McDaniels needs to drive his car, it made me think of Mike McDaniel needs to lock his car as we saw <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> he arrives for work in this badass black Audi RS7. Man, I'd love to drive oh, a car all about like that. And there's a reason I immediately knew what it was as soon as as soon as soon he stood uh-huh. up. <laughs> and I did learn about a feature on the car that I didn't know existed. There is actually a little divot there. Oh, there it is. There it is. How, He's got the Frappuccino. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 Close whoa, whoa. the door. What? How do you not what? know that? Of course that's how you lock it. That's how you well, lock Volkswagen products since, like, I, I don't know, 2010? I, I you know I, how you lock I, it? Yes. You know how you lock a, it? No, You no, use no, the miles. key? You
0: have the little the little thing that doesn't have a key on it, and you press the lock button. That's how I lock
1: it. Oh, my God. Press the thing. And look, hit the thing on the door. You got a fob well, in your look, pocket. it doesn't work. I drive a 2013 GTI, and that's how the thing works. Yeah, thank you. Play the music. Absolutely. Now, wait get out but of what here what if they've been making cars like you, that for like i said like 10 12 years what if
0: you don't make me give you the finger on our first monday live That <laughs> Sky. does the finger mean there what it means here um i but you know my concern is i'd forget the little key fob in the car and then i'd lock my side will it do that will it lock it if you the can't inside? no
1: but you can't lock okay. it how are you gonna lock it if it's not on you what are you doing? How do you drive car- You obviously don't leave the house very often. I mean, that's one thing we already know, but good lord, Mike.
0: <laughs> I sense some anger in you.
1: Angry? I'm just I'm I'm concerned. I'm, right. I'm concerned, um, frankly.
0: I was trying to think of a good Star Wars quote, but I don't know Star Wars enough to do like the the force is strong or let your hatred let your anger whatever that I don't know. I don't know what well Let the enough. hate
1: flow through you. Is, Let the ho- yeah. hate
0: flow through you. I I know yeah. that I know that you appreciate a fine automobile, and I my do. lack of knowledge of my own automobile, which happened to be the same automobile as Mike McDaniel's driving, <laughs> uh, is is frustrating you, and I apologize for that. Okay. I don't um, know. Uh, This is the Serenity Now Award for Lamar Jackson, who showed no frustration whatsoever yesterday, given the lack of a contract between himself and the Ravens, and had an awesome game, and looked like Lamar Jackson. And there was a real question. Look, I was concerned, Miles, because this is a guy who last year was not thinking at all about his contract. He was locked in, wasn't interested, should have been, but wasn't. This year, keenly interested in a contract trying to get a contract. Some of the reporting from ESPN yesterday was stunning to me because someone from the union broke ranks and shared details that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson had kept quiet, largely Mm -hmm. at the insistence of Lamar Jackson. He wants none of this stuff out there. My guess, he's pissed that it was put out there. Once he figures out what happened? You know, he was playing football yesterday. He kind of isn't in a position yep. to go down the rabbit hole and understand how it all got out. It got out because someone from the union who was helping him with this deal let it out there. And I'll just say this. The union has a bias. The union has an agenda. And I'm not one of these folks. There's so many people in the media that will criticize the union because agents will feed them these hot takes and they can't think for themselves. So they just parrot whatever the agents say. I will understand the dilemma that the union has when it's time to negotiate a CBA you got rank and file that 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 don't want to go on strike that want their game checks that aren't engaged you're doing the best you can with a bad situation when you're negotiating a CBA however the union has a clear bias to try to get more and more of these fully guaranteed contracts and they're telling Lamar to hold firm i think Lamar should have taken the best offer and he needs someone advising him who has no bias whatsoever The union has a clear bias. J.C. Tretter, the union president, wrote an essay after the Deshaun Watson deal saying everyone needs to try to get fully guaranteed deals. Based upon what was reported yesterday and some other stuff I've heard, he should have taken that offer. And the union should have been telling him to take that offer. Because if it all blows up on Lamar Miles, the union's not going to be there to give him the money that he walked away from.
1: No, no, they're not. And, you know, it's easy to say like, oh, don't take that when it's not your money. Right. And, you know, you do have an agenda and you're trying to make sure that everybody can get more guaranteed deals or this and that. And it's not necessarily what's in the one player's interest, but in everybody's player interest. Right. And that's kind of what they're trying to do, which I I understand. But like you said, it's not like he has somebody who is experienced in negotiating these kinds of contracts in his corner negotiating it for him that can give him the perspective of somebody who again has negotiated these things and really understands what the best offers are what they look like what the rest of the market might look like for him um, as well so yeah that that makes a, a huge difference
0: give me one more superlative usually on mondays we'll have time to get to more but let's squeeze in one more what do you have
1: Okay, uh, well, because this is week one, and I kind of just want to go back to Thursday night since, again, I was there. Let's just say all aboard the hype train for the Buffalo Bills. Choo-choo, right? You know, you keep talking about, Mike, oh, my gosh, are they going to be able to handle the pressure? Everybody thinks that they're this and they're that. They went out there and they kicked the Rams' ass. They were great. They were dominant, especially late in that game. You go look at Josh Allen and what he was able to do on those long throws to Davis and to Diggs. And, you know, Diggs talking to him after the game just goes, yeah, Josh Allen's got that dog in him, man. And I love it when guys say that. Look at him. I mean, the way he was able to play. Stiff arming, Nick Scott to the ground. My gosh. You know, this was supposed to be the Rams' coronation. And it didn't look like that. Now the Bills look... Like, we thought that they would look, right? They look dominant. And so they've got to get that consistency that they didn't necessarily have over the course of last year's regular season, right? We talked about this before. They lost 9-6 to to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, what in the world was that? It's one of those weird results, right? But, I mean, look, when you see him throwing those things to Stefan Diggs and he's stumbling and he still makes a catch, right? the, the bills are all right, man. Bills are all right.
0: I was pleasantly surprised and dismayed because I thought the Rams would win the game. The Rams, not what we thought. The Bills, the Bills living up to the expectations so far. Let's take a break. When we return, the Bills for now don't have to worry about the Patriots in their division. They may have to worry about the Dolphins. Miami, New England got together. The five-day head start by the Patriots didn't make a difference. We'll talk about Dolphins, Patriots right after this. He him. <laughs> was that a south park reference by tyree kill i seem to recall an episode where they use a wheelbarrow to haul around uh... anyway um <laughs> the dolphins get the win the patriots had been two and seven in miami when they were the better team so this is one that we kind of saw coming, and it was weird. It, was, it feels wrong to get so firmly behind a team playing Bill Belichick, but we, we all saw it coming, and yeah. it happened. And the key moment, and I think this is what Tyreek Hill was referring to, it is. late in the first half, 24 seconds left. They're on the 42-yard line of the New England Patriots facing fourth and seven. I talked to Mike McDaniel about this after the game. We also did talk about his RS7. He said his battery was dead in the key fob. Anyway, instead of going with a field goal, he said he talked to his special teams coordinator. It would have been too far for the field goal. And then you give the Patriots a chance to get a first down and kick a field goal of their own. So it's a six-point swing if you miss. So they were either going to try to draw them offside and get five yards closer for a 55-yard field goal Or just go for it. So he processed all the information, decided to go for it. He said he had a couple of gotta have it plays that he thought would work. Didn't anticipate it would pop for a touchdown, and off it went. They were just they were just looking to get themselves in position for a a makeable field goal. But seventeen nothing. I mean, we've seen that before. What's the difference between thirteen nothing and seventeen nothing? It was that Jaguars Bengals Thursday night game last year the one before all hell broke loose with Urban Meyer. 17 versus 13, 21 versus 17, that kind of thing makes a difference. To go up 17 instead of 13, it just felt over at that point because it felt like the Patriots weren't going to score 17 points if they played eight quarters or 12 quarters, much less four.
1: Yeah, it it really did. And and watching that game in real time and covering it for the site, that's exactly how it felt. And honestly, you know, if not for Brian Dayball, to me, Mike McDaniel going for it on fourth and seven in that situation was the call of the day. Right, Like that was a huge play. It was a huge call. And when you look at the way that that team is constructed, that's what they can do on any given play. When you've got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, any play can pop. And go for a touchdown because those guys have game-changing speed. So it was a really good ball by Tua Tonga I mean, he didn't throw the most good balls I've ever seen, but like that one was exactly where it needed to be. It was a seed. It was in stride, and that allowed Jalen Waddle to do his thing and get down the field and get into the end zone. And that's a huge play. And really, it helped them kind of like make the Patriots kick the bucket a little bit sooner.
0: And Somebody pointed out that Bill Belichick, he's just – there's a different vibe. There's there's almost excuse-making. Mm. You know, it was just a couple plays here or there that made a difference. That's not the Belichick that we know. Typically because the Belichick we know doesn't have to make excuses. Right. We've heard him say on multiple occasions, it's ultimately on me. If it doesn't work, yeah. blame me. He's got – I've said this before. And Jason Garrett and I had a discussion about this last night during a digital taping that we did – He has a big pile of chips that he's amassed over the last 20 years, and this is a year where he's got to use some of them. Yes. Because he's not going to be on the hot seat. He can get away with this. He can get away with making Matt Patricia his play caller and making Joe Judge his quarterback's coach when Patricia was a defensive coordinator for years and and failed as head coach of the Lions, and Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator and failed as head coach of the Giants. These are the guys running your offense, and it just isn't working. And uh, they're, they're going to have to get better on the fly. And they may have to get better without Mac Jones. He's got a back injury. X-rays were negative on Jones. I'm told that there's optimism. It's nothing serious. And that the assumption is if, if and when we see a practice report, well, we will see a practice report. His name will likely be on it. It's limited on Wednesday with a back injury. Um, we'll, we'll just We'll see how it goes. They go to Pittsburgh. That's always a tough place for them in the regular season, not a tough place in the postseason, but they have a hard time there in the regular season, and they'll have a very hard time if it's Brian Hoyer and not Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, if they're going to have a hard time protecting whoever the quarterback is, and they certainly could against that Steelers defense, then that's going to be a real problem. I mean, they didn't run the ball well yesterday. They never really seemed to find any sort of rhythm, any sort of consistency. The The script was all right, you know, when they went down the field for their first drive, but we just showed it. I mean, they that ended up in a tip pass and an interception, so you know, it's like, oh, it's great. But then you don't finish and you have a turnover. Well, then it's really not that great. So I don't really know what the Patriots are going to do. I don't know what they're going to be. I don't know what they're going to look like. I mean, they always take the first quarter of the season to kind of figure themselves out anyway. But like, man, I, they don't have an easy schedule. So they could be 0-4, especially if they don't have Mac Jones. And that's kind of like, oh, my gosh, what are we, what are we really looking at if the Patriots are 0-4? I don't even, have they ever even started 0-4 in the Belichick era? I could have looked this up, I guess, before I said it on the air. But, like, I, I that's crazy to me, that they really could legitimately be
0: 0-4. They were not good in 2000. In 2001, they had to kind of fight and scratch and claw their way through the season. They were 5-5, and yeah. five, I think, after losing to the Rams on a Sunday night, who they would inevitably beat in the Super Bowl that year. But this is just not your usual Belichick team. Oh, yeah. And, and – and, and look, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not, how, am I, how do I put this? I, I really don't get into the whole hero worship, and I'm not going to give Bill Belichick a lifetime pass just because he's won six Super Bowls. Because we know how the NFL is. It's not what have you done for me lately. It's what are you doing for me right now, and what can I expect you to do for me tomorrow? And when you have the owner of the team, Robert Kraft, openly say back in March that he's disappointed, frustrated, whichever term he used, he's not happy that they'd gone three years without winning a playoff game. He's not going to put up with this. There will be changes. And Miles, I think all of this flows at some level from the fact that Bill's got a couple of his kids on the staff and he can't fire them. So he can't fire anybody else. He's got to take the bullets. He's got to be the one who's responsible for everything because you get problems among your coaching staff if you start throwing out guys who maybe aren't part of the problem because you can't move on from the guys who maybe are part of the problem because they're your kids. That's the risk of this semi-widespread nepotism in the NFL because if you have a son or a daughter who's working for you and not getting it done, what are you going to do about it? What can you do about it? And we saw that come to full fruition when they got blown off the field, 47-17 to by the Bills in the playoffs last year. I think that that is, at some level, part of the problem here for Bill Belichick. And, uh, and, and again, the owners decide when they're going to make a change. I don't know do. how many bad years six championships will buy Bill Belichick and maybe... Maybe we'll find out, like how many licks it takes to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop. One last thing about Belichick before we take a break, and we do have to take a break. I asked Mike McDaniel about their postgame. Did you see their postgame interaction? There wasn't much there. No. I asked McDaniel about it. He said I pride myself on reading the room. I could tell Bill wasn't in the mood to talk. Okay. (laughs) That was that. All right, go ahead. That's good.
1: All right. Well, I would just say this, you know, when you talk about kind of like excuse making, which we don't hear from Bill Belichick kind of reminds me of going through the 2016 season with Jeff Fisher and the Los Angeles Rams. And I don't want to like, like you obviously can't compare, right? Like you can't, but the situation, when you start hearing coaches start talking about different things like that, like that is sort of where things start to end up. And again, Bill Belichick's got six rings, right, as the head coach of the New England Patriots. It buys them a lot. Like you said, the chips, you got a lot of them. You built up a lot. But, like, that, the whole start, when you start saying, well, you know, it's on me, you know, when, if it's one or two things, that it's this and it's that, like, you don't want to hear that from your head coach. That, that's So, 16 Rams and Fisher, that's kind of what that reminds me of.
0: 2020 and 2021 Vikings with Zimmer, same thing excuse for everything got an excuse for everything well hey everybody's got an uh, the excuse. best is you still gotta we, win don't, we
1: don't yeah we don't make excuses but here's this excuse and this excuse this excuse <laughs> I'm like come uh, on
0: i make no excuses for the fact that we're late but Sorry. we're late so let's take a break sunday statement draft next on this monday edition of pft live Well, these mugs were on sale yesterday. Now, they were outside the stadium, not inside. So these were not actually being sold by the commanders. There was an update later. But only the commanders, directly or indirectly, would be involved in Washington being characterized by the state of Washington, not Washington, D.C. And, Miles, this is before your time. This brought back memories of a Monday night game. Jay Gruden was the coach. Of the Washington football team at the time, look at the guy in the back stirring the Gatorade with a sleeve, a plastic-wrapped sleeve of cups. That's what you get from Daniel Snyder's organization. That's one of my all-time
1: favorites. <laughs> Let's <laughs> hey, start on that Gatorade. You gotta it out. You got to be efficient somehow, right? You know, you just got to. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Like, you got to be somehow. You All don't right. have a big wooden spoon. <laughs>
0: Sunday statement draft, Miles, you're up.
1: Uh, let me go with Patrick Mahomes, and I guess it's the obvious choice, but still, when you go through the offseason that the Kansas City Chiefs did to come out and to play as well as they did, you get five touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes. Man, I I, I think that that's a pretty big statement, right? I mean, he wants to say that nobody thought he was going to be able to play in the NFL. Well, he really showed them yesterday.
0: I'm going to go Saquon Barkley. I mean, this is a guy who, and he plays a position that is conducive to injury. That's one of the reasons why you don't use the second overall pick in the draft on a running back, because he had a great rookie season, 2,000 yards from scrimmage but then you start getting injured. It was an ankle. I remember that Tampa Bay game in 2019 and then the ACL and you're fighting your way back and it's a tough position to play. He's in a contract year. There was some talk. Maybe they would trade him. He's got himself in that Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Everyone doubts me mindset. They're all blaming me. They're all picking on me. He had 164 rushing yards on 18 carries yesterday. Um, and, uh, uh, a touchdown, and that two-point conversion. And if Saquon Barkley stays healthy and performs like he did yesterday, the Giants are a team that needs to be taken extremely seriously in 2022.
1: Absolutely. And like I said earlier, I mean, I, I got a lot of respect for what he's been able to do. I mean, and, like, look, it, that's not an easy spot for him to be in. And you know what? He took advantage of every single opportunity. So, yeah, credit to him for sure. It's a big statement. Uh, next one for me would be Khalil Mack. You know, he's making his debut for the Chargers, gets three sacks, three tackles for loss, got a forced fumble on a strip sack. I mean, he was pretty dominant. And he's the Khalil Mack that came into the league with the Raiders and that we started expecting to see. And it was, you know, a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. Now he's bookending things with Joey Bosa. I talked to him in the locker room and I asked him after the game, like, hey, does it still mean a little extra when you play the Raiders? And he said, yeah, of course it does. That's the team that drafted me. You know, I still have some friends over there. Not everybody is still there that I used to know. But yeah, it does mean a little extra. So we'll see what he does in the second matchup later. But that was certainly a statement by Khalil Mack yesterday.
0: We've already talked about the Vikings, but I can't leave them off of the Sunday statement draft. The Vikings offense, that comment from Adam Thielen resonates with me. He was there the entire Mike Zimmer time, and he said he's never been part of an NFL offense. That is attacking and attacking and attacking, and that bodes so well. When you consider Mike Zimmer had no involvement in the offense, every year it seemed like the offensive coordinator was either fired or quit or just, just, just walked out the door because they couldn't take Zimmer anymore different vibe different world different time and it proves my theory that it's always better to hire an offensive head coach because if things go really well and you're a defensive guy your offensive coordinator is going to get hired somewhere else like pat Shermer did after 2017 this bodes very well for the vikings now and in the future what they did yesterday what kevin o'connell is doing and what they can keep doing as the season unfolds let's take a break we'll do round three of the sunday statement draft right after this All right, Sunday Statement Time, round three. Miles Simmons, you're up.
1: All right, let me go with Kevin Stefanski and Cade York for the Cleveland Browns for keeping the Browns in it. You know, they obviously blew their lead. It looked like everything was going to go wrong, but Kevin Stefanski, that coaching staff, they understood, hey, we need to get to the 40-yard line. They did it. Cade York, rookie, fourth-round pick comes in, booms a 58-yard field goal, and the Browns get a win.
0: And that really was unexpected. And here they are, 1-0, and 10 more games without Deshaun Watson. We'll see how many more they can win. I'm going with A.J. Brown, the oh, New yeah. Eagles receiver, big acquisition, the draft day surprise. We're paying attention to Debo Samuel getting traded, and instead it's A.J. Brown. He had 10 catches for 155 yards with a long of 54. Um, for an offense that last year pivoted toward – Run-centric because they just didn't have the passing options. Now, Jalen Hurts' good friend A.J. Brown is there. Great start. Although, it was weird. It was, it was just like week one last year. Remember when the Lions were yes. down big to the 49ers and then they did the backdoor cover it ended up being a lot closer than it should have been. That that should right. be one of those newspaper scores where, it, you know, the Eagles should have blown them off the field, but it ended up being a lot closer. But the Eagles did what they had to do offensively, and A.J. Brown, so far, a great return on the investment.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And frankly, that's exactly what you would expect out of A.J. Brown. What I didn't expect was no catches from Devontae Smith, and that uh, got me in trouble with one of my friends in their fantasy team. But, you know, things happen. <laughs>
0: 38-35 was the final score of uh, that game for the Eagles over the Lions. It was just one of those weird ones. There were so many so many games yesterday that just felt weird, and then they got yeah. very compelling, uh, and it was a great first Sunday. Miles, great first Monday of the regular season. Chris Sims will be back tomorrow. We will be updating the PFT website all day long in advance of the Monday night game which is the Russell Wilson return to Seattle. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks to our good friends in the UK and Ireland on Sky. Miles, see you tomorrow. Happy birthday, Mom. Tomorrow.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76
0: yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal